Welcome to The Brand Collective, a podcast about our favorite brands, featuring stories from the marketers and creatives behind them. I'm your host, Nick Ross. With me, Mackenzie Koss, marketer extraordinaire. Let's get into it. Today, we have Brianna Wynn, the creative director at Agency 53. Welcome, Brianna. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Uh, Your story is very unique and very special, and I would love for you to take us from where you've been to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's definitely non-traditional in in terms of you know the journey to to becoming a CD. I think I've really only met one other person that's had a similar uh, path as me. So uh, definitely happy to share. I you know it all kind of started with lacrosse and medicine. Those were you know my two passions in life. And uh, for lacrosse, I always wanted to play D1 lacrosse, and for medicine, I always wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, I made the lacrosse thing happen. The doctor thing, not so much. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I really, I like really wanted it. I, I, I mean, I went as far as taking all of the science classes I needed, all of the labs, um, you know, towards the end of college, I was working at the Mayo Clinic. I was actually doing research in uh, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. And I was literally, you know, in labs, like injecting mice with diseases and then like studying them afterwards. I mean, I went all out on the medicine thing. And uh, towards the end of that experience, I went on a volunteer trip to Ghana. And while I was in Ghana, I was obviously with a bunch of peers who were also um, looking to go to medical school and you know, is that at that point, while we were in the country, standing in the middle of this village in Ghana, I looked around and and all my peers were, you know, they had their heads in the books and they were studying and they were talking about medicine. And I was looking around, looking at the faces of the people and thinking about where am I going to travel next? What story am I going to tell next? Whose story am I going to write? Who am I going to talk about? Who am I going to be? Uh, and, you know, it was in that moment that I was kind of like, you know what, I don't think I can spend the next 10 years studying for, to be a doctor. I, there's so much more out there for me. And uh, I don't think I knew at that point that the idea of travel and storytelling and that kind of thing um, translates well to being a creative director and, and working in marketing. Um, so my career kind of started after that. Uh, I became a social media marketer, kind of worked my way up um, to becoming a marketing manager and while I was a marketing manager, I had an experience where I was working closely with a creative director and a graphic designer that we contracted. And uh, I had to have kind of this awkward conversation with him of, you know, hey, uh, I'm going to use his name. Shout out to Adam Martin, because he, <laughs> he is the reason why I am why I am where I am. Um, I said, hey, Adam, you know, unfortunately, we had some budget cuts and we can't afford you anymore, buddy, but um, I am hoping you can teach me everything, you know, and he took me under his wing as his offboarding and, you know, said, here's some basic design principles. Here's how you work Photoshop. Here's how you work Illustrator. Here's where to find fonts. Um, he set me up with a bunch of templates and, you know, the, the rest is kind of history. And that's how I got into design. Um from there, I, you know, pursued design for quite a while. Um, I, I got interested in, in branding. Um, so I very much went down the, the route of uh, brand marketing, brand strategy, brand management. And from there, I realized I wanted to kind of manage a team and maybe work in the agency space, um, pursued an agency role. And uh, through 
through all of that, kind of got to where I am working for an agency as a creative director. It's kind of crazy looking back at that whole story. Yeah, it's such a, it's fascinating and, and big shifts in perspective and motivation. Um, can you talk about, because right now you're a creative director for a pretty awesome creative agency, uh, Agency 53, which I'm sure takes a lot of leadership. Can you talk about maybe experiences in your past that have given you confidence to be a leader? Uh, it's a great question. And I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you said there, there were a lot of big moments throughout um, those formative years. Uh, you know, I, I felt those big moments. Those were, those were moments that will stick with me for the rest of my life. You know, they, when I, when I think about them, I, I'm, I'm transported there again. And so I think it's in all of those experiences that shaped uh, who I am as a leader. I think it's me working through um, my own growth, my own development, uh, being a self-taught designer, having to be resourceful and find you know, classes and online things and ask for what I want and ask for skill development. Um, I think it's all of that plus you know, my, exper my experiences as an athlete and as a coach. Uh, I coached lacrosse for quite a while, uh, both I, pretty much all ages from, you know, ages six through uh, 18. Uh, and I was working with both boys and girls, majority girls. But through those experiences, uh, I learned how to build a team culture. And, you know, one of the things that sticks with me as a creative director is people have their strengths and they have their weaknesses. And, and I'm, I'm not someone who believes in kind of developing people who are, who have to be jacks of all trades. I think, you know, Susie A is always going to be really good at what Susie A is really good at. And I think for me as a creative director, I like to put um, my team members in positions where they're going to be successful while also making it safe for them to fail. Um, and that's kind of my, that's always been my leadership philosophy. And I think because of the strong leaders that I've learned from and the coaches that I've learned from, um, I kind of just inherited that. I love that. I think it's, it's so important <laughs> as a creative myself, <laughs> I'm a video producer and I think we're often sort of tasked with taking on every aspect of such a collaborative, uh, creative process. And I think it, when you have a leader that understands the nature of all the different roles and understands your strengths and weaknesses, I think that's awesome. Um, Talk to me about experiential marketing. I feel like you have such a unique, A, everything about what you've said has been unique and fascinating. Uh, but I want to get into this experiential marketing because I want to know about the smells of brands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I If you would have asked me, you know, 10 years ago, what experiential marketing is, I would not have an answer for you. Um, it kind of just landed in my lap as, as much of the things that um, have, have you know transpired in my life have happened. Uh, things just kind of land in my lap and I decide whether or not I want to pursue them. And uh, experiential marketing was one of those things. It was uh, an agency that you know I came across and I they it seemed like they did really cool things. I mean, the first thing I saw on the website of that agency was a drone dropping a pair of Steph Curry sneakers over the San Francisco Bay into the hands of a fan. Whoa. And like I saw that and I was <laughs> like, <laughs> so you know, I was like, what is this world? Like, what is this world that 
that I don't know about. And so the further I dove into experiential and, uh, you know, when I became a creative director at this experiential agency, um, I learned so much about marketing and the dynamics of a brand. And like you said, Nick, the, you know, how do you bring a brand to life? Well, it's through, it's through smells, it's through tastes, it's through visual, it's through sound, it's through all of the human experiences that we have. Um, that's experiential marketing is, is having a reaction, an emotion, a moment with a brand uh, that changes your relationship to that brand. And then furthermore, you know, it creates brand loyalty, it creates recall, it creates recognition. Um, it's all of those things. It's, it's such a fascinating field. We're often at a distance. We're often sort of looking at what we enjoy through the internet or through your phone. Uh, but I think an experience like getting a pair of sneakers from a drone on a San Francisco bridge, I mean, that's going to create this lifelong memory for that human being and everyone around them that will constantly be associated with that brand. What are some of the, some of the wins in that space that you've had or some of the unique stories or experiences that you've been able to participate in? I, the one that comes to mind right away is uh, one that we pitched and won and produced uh, right before the start of COVID. So it happened in March of, what was it, 2019, 2019, 2020? Yeah. 19? Wow. <laughs> so Mar <laughs> March of 19, and uh, we were working with Michelin, and they were going to be attending Daytona Bike Week for the first time. I don't know how familiar you guys are with Daytona Bike Week. I've heard about it. I know some friends who have gone to it, and it's it's a whole thing. It's a whole culture. I love yes. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So people, bike people like ride bicycle down. or bike like motorcycle? Motorcycle. Oh, motorcycles. <laughs> yeah. So people ride their motorcycles down from all corners of the country. And it's it's hundreds of thousands of people, literally, that converge in Daytona Beach uh, for Bike Week. And it's at the Speedway down there and, you know, all the different tire brands and the motor brands. And they all kind of, you know, set up their vendor spaces. Uh, Michelin came to us and they said, hey, we've got this um, massive, uh, you know, I think it was I think it was 100,000 square feet. Um, it was huge. It was a huge spot. They're like, we've got this huge spot at Daytona uh, Bike Week. We've never been there before. We really want to make a splash. We want to tie in the Michelin lifestyle um, because Michelin is very much, you know, I don't know if you guys know, and I don't know if this is common knowledge or not. It wasn't for me, but Michelin Tires is the same group that does the Michelin star ratings for restaurants. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I love their restaurant yeah. reviews. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's so weird that they're product based, but they're also they have this other you know, lifestyle component to them. And so they were like, we want to tie all of these things together. You know, how do we show off Michelin as a comprehensive brand? And so uh, my team and I kind of went to the drawing board and we came up with the uh, Oasis Container Park. Um, and so you have to put yourself at Bike Week. You know, when you're at Bike Week, it's motorcycle engines all day long. It's a concrete jungle. You're literally standing on pavement. But what we created was we laid down a bunch of turf. We brought in seven custom shipping containers. Uh, we created an Oasis Gelato Center in the middle. Um, so we were giving out free custom gelato in the colors of Michelin. So the gelato was like yellow and blue and black um, with like charcoal. Uh, 
uh, we created <laughs> a barber shop. So we had a barber shop running where um, folks were coming in, getting beard shaves and uh, haircuts on site before you know riding off into the sunset. <laughs> and uh, we, yeah, we did the whole thing. We we created this um, awesome living room set where people were coming and listening to live music. Um, and then of course we had two uh, shipping containers and we had vehicles on site. So we had um, like a Corvette and like an F-150 truck. And they were of course all decked out with the Michelin tires on display, showing the dirt bikes and the motorcycles in the truck bed, kind of, again, like really alluding to that lifestyle. Um, so that was probably the most comprehensive, largest project that I've personally worked on. And it was, it was awesome. That's awesome. I felt like I could picture myself there when you described all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's what a fascinating thing to be like, well, we're a tire company. And I'm sure there's a very, you know, specific history of maybe people driving to different fine restaurants and then getting into rest or I don't know. But it's every time you're like, oh, this restaurant, it's Michelin stars. I feel like you say it a little different <laughs> than Michelin. You know, like it's not like you're like these stars are Michelin. Oh, this restaurant, it's Michelin star. You know, like it has this affectation to it. It's like, same thing, same exact organization. They just give you a star yeah. that's worth, you know, millions of dollars in revenue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was such a fun project and such a fun brand because Michelin, like they're, they're very storied. Like they have, I mean, they've been around for, I think, a hundred over a hundred years, maybe close to 200. And, uh, part of the activation, uh, my team and I spent about two weeks sourcing vintage Michelin items from eBay. Oh my so gosh. There's like all these tiny old little Michelin men ceramics and they like have them like sitting on these little toy motorcycles. And then like, there's a bunch of, um, vintage books that are the Michelin star restaurant guides and Michelin travel guides and Michelin maps. And, it was, it was so much fun. I, I, uh, yeah, I think the decorating all the shipping containers was probably the best part of it. I, I made, I, I think my, um, director of accounts will never forgive me for this, but she, we had a sign shipped in from Germany. That was a, an original Michelin sign because they were also the originators of the, the original street sign Michelin was. Oh, I love in that. Europe. Yeah, in Europe, wow. they, they came up with the street sign. And so we shipped one in from Germany and we were already on site in Daytona and uh, our director of accounts literally had to hand carry this massive sign over to like FedEx and like ship it out overnight to Daytona <laughs> for us. And she gives me a hard time about that all the time. She's like, did we really need that sign, Brie? Yes. <laughs> You're thinking like, holistically. Yeah, There's, it's, it's not about need. It's about yeah. the whole experience. I guess I was going to maybe pivot and talk about what does a brand need to think about now as opposed to maybe in the past and how a brand has to take on a perspective in order to appeal to an audience. Yeah, yeah that's a great question. I think there are two things that come top of mind for me. And, you know, you can call them trends, you can call them predictions, you can call them strategies. But I think the first thing is brands uh, need to be aware of social and, um, I guess, DE&I initiatives. I think, you know, I, I can't remember if I had mentioned to you guys previously, but one of my core beliefs right now is that 
brands can no longer stand by and be silent. Um, you either stand up for something and you stand for something or you're going to be forgotten. And so I think that's first and foremost is, is a brand in 2021 in order to have any kind of meaning or following or, or have people believe in a brand, you have to um, be vocal about what you stand for. And I think the second piece, uh, a little bit less serious and impactful, I think is, is you have to reach, really reach people where they are. Uh, and I think this isn't anything new. You know, uh, I think we all know as marketers that you can't, the spray and pray method doesn't quite work anymore. And I think for a while it was about personalization and personalizing something or personalizing a campaign to, to a specific target audience. But now I think it's about individualization and individualization to me is different because it means you're giving people the ability to express themselves through your brand, as opposed to kind of telling people who they are and personalizing something and saying, you're going to like this because you're in this target audience. It's now I'm going to present you with this opportunity to make this your own. Uh, and I think that's such a, such a powerful um powerful strategy for brands going forward. It speaks to an increase in brand empathy, right? It's, it's brands recognizing that, uh, there's a lot at stake. And, and I, I think in your individual, uh, maybe, you know, products becoming more a part of individuals aesthetics, maybe like how, how, you know, like something, a brand can filter into someone's expression and someone's, uh, you know, like outward expression of self. Is that, is that true? <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know. It, it feels like where it used to be, let's snag these 18 to 20 year olds, you know, with this <laughs> clever market, you know, like, I don't think there yeah. are those mass groups anymore. It's more like there are specific styles and expressions and identities, and there's so much overlap. I think, you know, if, if we want to offer up like a tangible example, something that comes to mind is, um, I think of Herschel, the, the backpack company. Um, and, you know, I think previously, if you look at Herschel's campaigns, they were doing campaigns where they would uh, commission an artist and have that artist, you know, design three to five backpacks and then, you know, kind of market those backpacks as like, hey, like, here's what we're selling versus I think today and, you know, going forward, they've done campaigns where it's now submit your own designs or, you know, you tell this artist. Um, what's important to you and he'll draw it for you or something like that. Or, you know, it's, it's a lot more individualized. Like I said, that's, that's kind of the tangible example that comes to mind for me. Do you think it's that there are such uh, direct lines of communication between individuals and brands now where it used to be brands would sort of disseminate their message through the primary means of communication. And now, you know, everybody has access to every brand, every person and can give a personal message or send a personal idea. Um, and if you're conscious, you usually take in all that stuff or there's usually a, probably a staff going like, well, a lot of people are saying this might be cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely all about the relationship. You know, I think, uh, I think even personas might be outdated, you know, it's like, okay, like we can write this persona about this, this target, buyer, but maybe we should be switching that to talk about 
What do we want our relationship with this persona to be? How do we, you know, form that relationship? Do we want it to be based on transparency and honesty, or do we want it to be based on, you know, creating moments of fun, um, creating memories? You know, I think that is the evolution of, of creative and marketing is, is really diving into relationships as opposed to, you know, like you said, having the brand be one entity and the consumer be the other entity, I think it's merging. How do we, how do we do it tactfully? How do brands contribute to the broader sort of societal conversation through marketing without, you know, the infamous Pepsi commercial or the, you know, (laughs) (laughs) how is it, is it just like you said, it's just being, you know, honest and empathetic or, you know, listening? I think to answer your question, it's, it definitely starts with honesty and empathy and, and listening to the consumer. But I think it goes back to, again, brands kind of uh, trying to provide opportunities as opposed to uh, kind of controlling those opportunities, if that makes sense. Um, I think, again, going back to like creating opportunities for people to express themselves through your brand. And I think that's where experiential marketing is so strong is because you're, you're creating a relationship, you're creating moments, you're creating memories. You are, uh, it's a back and forth dialogue versus just a one-way dialogue. And I think that is, is so key to um, moving forward and, and understanding how to, how to propel your brand forward. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, the work that you're doing now with Agency 53 and uh, specifically and and thinking about how people live. And these are these are spaces that you're designing that are going to be homes, which is such a sensitive, maybe the most sensitive uh, thing to market. I think this is a, a recurring theme throughout our conversation. But again, if you would have asked me five years ago, would I be working in real estate? I would say no. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Yeah, Agency 53, I I have to start by saying I think everybody throughout their career tries to find a place where you feel at home, uh, where you feel like you've found people who you want to come to work with and sit next to every day and people who you want to talk to every day and people who support you and your dreams and uh, believe in you and trust you and give you all the room to grow and, and, um, you know, do what you were hired to do. And I have to say that, like, I've found it at 53. I have absolutely found my home and my tribe with them. And I believe in this agency so much and, um, super happy to be here. And so, um, you know, to be in this space and and talking about what does branding for multifamily housing mean? Uh, one, I feel grateful to just just be here, but two, it's it's a sense of responsibility of creating brands and creating spaces and you know communications and messaging that infiltrate people's homes, essentially, um, that people are coming home to, and this is their space. And so it's, it's not so much about, um, flashiness or showing off our product as it is in, in CPG, but, uh, it's now, you know, how do we make this a relaxing, inviting, welcoming environment? How do we help create a brand and a community, an apartment community that will add to this person's lifestyle um, and will help them aspire or will help them reach the goals um, that they aspire to. Uh, and that's that's kind of how we look at it is, you know, we're not we're not 
branding a, a candy bar where we're branding, you know, something that means quite a lot to a lot of people. And we have such a big impact across the spectrum, um, you know, from, from senior living to student housing to conventional multifamily um, housing. It's, it's pretty incredible uh, when, I, when I think about it. And how do you have those conversations, you know, when you're creating a building or creating the aesthetic for a complex or a development? Um, what sorts of conversations go on behind the scenes to figure out what the aesthetic is or what the direction of this development will be? Yeah, I, that's one that I'm still working on. So if you find an answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, I think that's probably the most complicated part of the job. I think because there are so many stakeholders that um, are involved in the development of one property. So you've got the investor or the owner, uh, you've got the management group, you've got the on-site community team that actually works in the leasing office, and then you've got residents, right? So you're trying to create something that that works for all of those parties and they come from such different angles. I mean, you look at an investor owner, they're looking for the success of this of this property. They want it to be sold out. You know, they want it to be completely leased up. And but then you look at the management team, and the management team is really focused on creating a great experience because they're in charge of you know how the property runs, if the pool is working, if the elevators are working, that kind of thing. And then you look at the on-site community team, and they're working their tail off day to day, and you know they're just trying to make sure that um, they're throwing great events for the residents and they're, you know, communicating the messages that need to be communicated. And then you've got the residents who, um, like I said, are, are looking for a certain lifestyle and they're there for a reason, you know, whether it's proximity or because, you know, it, the brand stood out to them or whatever it is. But uh, the, the sweet spot is finding what works right in the middle of all four of those um, major stakeholder groups. And it's, it's been hard. It's been an adjustment for me to try and understand all those different perspectives. Um, but you know, we're, we're doing our best. And, and I think, uh, I think, again, this is a great place to be doing it. I think 53, we have such a great group of creatives here and uh, a great executive leadership team that, that is so knowledgeable about the industry that I have, um, I have so many great people to learn from. All right, everybody, it is time for our next segment, my personal favorite, Today in Brands. So these are little bits of news for brands, whether it's rebranding, something they did, something innovative in marketing, that kind of thing. Um, and I have two fun ones that caught my eye. And the first one is Reese's. And just to clarify, Reese's Puff Cereal, which... This is hilarious because I can remember eating this in between track meets to try to boost up my energy. So quick, uh, get your puffs. Yeah, get your puffs. <laughs> Run your next race. Uh, Puff loading. Yeah, <laughs> carb loading. Uh, so Reese's, I feel like they're always doing something crazy with their boxes and stuff. I love going down the cereal aisle. That's, I think it's awesome to see everything that they're doing, but they, did something pretty different than anything I've ever seen a cereal company do. And they released a limited edition Reese's Puff cereal box that transforms your breakfast table into an impromptu studio. So think 
DJ at 7 a.m. while you drink some coffee, you can <laughs> mix and match some tunes. But I'm curious if you've seen this, Brianna, and also how do you feel this will elevate the brand and make them stand out amongst, you know, the hundreds of cereal brands that are out there? Yeah, yeah, I have. I have seen this. Uh, I, I try to keep a pulse on experiential, even though I've been, you know, kind of immersed in real estate and, and we haven't quite hit the experiential uh, segment of marketing yet, but we will. Um, I'm, I'm definitely planning to bring it to the industry, but I have seen this. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's awesome. It's it's got so many great components to it. It's it's nostalgic, and then you also take into effect that you know it's again going back to human senses. It tastes good. It probably sounds good. It's fun. <laughs> you can do it right at home. Um, you know that's experiential marketing in a box. Yeah. Um, yes, that. What was is happening with this box? <laughs> I want. Okay, so a box turns into a studio, and you can listen to music. Yeah. What are we talking about here? So I am so naive. I don't know what's happening. It's like, well, the box, you know, just transforms into a studio and then your house is a DJ setup. What? <laughs> so like you follow little cardboard yeah, cutout so things it, and you foldies? You flip it over and you, they have it all set up. So it's like the back of the box looks literally like a little DJ setup, which okay. I think is awesome. <laughs> and then you can pretend. Yeah, then you can. Okay. <laughs> Well, it's augmented reality, Nick. So yes. it's reality. Oh, so it's actually it, happening. Um, Brianna okay. and I are both DJs now, so yeah. it's fine. <laughs> oh, man. I could see that pivot, though, Brianna. I'm honestly, with how uh, you've been very nimble in your pivots from, you know, passions and careers. <laughs> so I feel like if next week you're like, I'm a world famous DJ, I'd be like, yeah, she's that type. She, she can probably do it. <laughs> You know, I didn't want to tell anybody, but that's the reason why I'm headed to Tulum. Uh, yes. Week, so. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. No, I. <laughs> I think Mac to to go back to your to your question, and in all seriousness, I I think there's there's some really cool things about this campaign for them. Um, they, one, they're amplifying. I think a campaign that they ran previously, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they did a collab with Travis Scott and Little Yachty and yeah. I, yeah, they're, they're really trying to connect with those folks again. Like they're, they're, which is genius, you know, I keep it yeah. going, keep it rolling, amplify yeah. that same campaign message and, um, you know, keep building that relationship. That's how you build the relationship. You keep kind of reaching out and having that two-way conversation with the same, uh, the same group. And that's how you build out that loyalty base. Um, yeah, I, I think it's awesome. I, I think, you know, and the other thing that's really cool about it to me is it's it's a hybrid strategy. So it's one yeah. where you've got a physical item in somebody's home, in somebody's hands, but there's also a digital component. So that digital component then allows the company to, you know, track who's interacting, track the number of interactions, track where they are, um, get those, you know, get that data that's, that's so important to us uh, as marketers. I love that. That's so true. Bringing the humanist back to marketing, honestly. No. Um, so the second one I think is genius. And I've seen something kind of similar, but Corona, uh, as in the drink, is they launched. Ooh, gotta make that specification, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially I just, now. 
I don't want anyone. <laughs> this is Corona, the drink one. Uh, but they launched a voice activated vending machine along the Las Vegas Strip. And I think they're doing a few other places, but this was their kind of their first one. And they partnered with Duolingo. And bear with me because I hope I say this right because I took four years of Spanish. But if customers could pronounce dame una corona hard seltzer limonada, por favor, they could get the drink for free. So you go up to this machine and then you say it. And if you don't say it right, it's hilarious because the machine's kind of sassy and it goes, oh, you got to try again. Or if they didn't get it right, then they would get a free month subscription to Duolingo Plus in order to brush up on their Spanish, which I think is an awesome win-win. Uh, but I'm wondering, Brianna, what you think about this creativity and the brand partnership to launch their new seltzer, because um, I know seltzers are kind of all the rage, but to, in order to stand out among, you know, the competition that's out there. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I think it definitely helps them stand out amongst all the seltzer brands. I mean, it's, it's completely saturated in that market right now, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I will say. That I actually wanted to plug my seltzer. It's just kind of. <laughs> It's called the Brand Collective Spritz. It's a seltzer. <laughs> oh man, um, no Mac. I think you you hit a you hit a, a sore subject here for me. I <laughs> I cannot tell you the number of vending machine activations I tried to pitch towards the end of my uh, my last um, position. Oh, I tried wow. to pitch so many vending machine activations and none of them were going through only because it was it was COVID times and uh, you know okay. nobody was doing anything. They were like, what, a touch surface? Nobody wants to touch anything. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I do think it's creative. I, I think the, the, the best part about this campaign is the collaboration with Duolingo. Yeah. I think any unexpected collaboration uh, in a collaborate and a collab that's across different verticals is going to immediately widen your audience base. It's going to, um, you know, reach new people. And I think that's a great move on their part. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely love it. I wish there was one here because I think it's such a great way to connect and, um, like you said, in a saturated market, it's nice to stand out and the partnership I think is genius. So, yeah. <laughs> also, I'm doing a vending machine activation <laughs> with my, let me I'm ask not. you guys this. I was thinking, uh, I was trying to think about what I would do if I was in charge of this campaign um, and what I would do differently. And yeah. I want to challenge you too to think as experiential marketers, what would you do? Oh man. As the if brand Corona had... trying to activate a vending machine? Um, <laughs> Scrap the vending machine. If you had okay. to launch Corona hard seltzer and the new flavor of Limonada. I mean, yeah, it's, this is a tough, I understand why this is a career choice. <laughs> uh, what would I, what would I do? I, I mean, right now it's hard to uh, not associate Corona with Corona. Um, so I'd try to do my best to make it the, the better Corona, uh, which is also creating a negative association. I have no idea how to do this job. 
this is this is a job application nightmare scenario for me. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I'm naked. I don't have any clothes on. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh, for people um, listening and not and not uh not watching, Nick's sweating right now. Yeah. <laughs> Dark shirt just blended in. Um. I actually, I love the idea, but something that I have thought of, I think I've seen it in other campaigns, but almost doing a scavenger hunt of people. So like different states setting it up. And something I thought of for, since we're in Colorado is almost like a hike to get the new seltzer. And whether there's like a mini vending machine or somebody literally at the top of a mountain that's like handing them out. That's something that I thought of. And obviously a drone that comes down. Um, maybe I should shift crew path a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're on the right track there. Man. Sounds great. Yeah, this is so natural for you. I, I basically just went into, uh, you know, a 100% full-blown panic. Fighter flight, <laughs> what? Fight or flight mode. Launch a product? I have no idea. Oh, Put it in man. a store. I don't know. <laughs> But I think, I think the, the best part is having fun with it. And I don't know, in my mind, I'm like, there's no limit on my money spend mentally. So if it could be something like that, I, I would be all for it. Yeah. Um, Cause I've, I've gone to the top of a mountain here and there's literally a guy, I had a hamburger handed to me, a guy who had like a tiny grill and was like at the top of a 14er. And I was like, this is genius. How did how did you how did you do this and why did you hike up with a mini stove? <laughs> but it's you know it's I I think experiential marketing is awesome and it makes it the brand stand out and it makes me want to buy it then because um, I'm a sucker for a brand who goes above and beyond with like you said making that connection and creating that story. Yeah. Yeah, building that experience. I yeah, I really love it. Even though I'm terrible at it. <laughs> But I think it's important to do to do things that you're terrible at. Yeah. That's why I play pickup basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's going to be thinking about this for the next two weeks. Yeah. We're going to get an email email about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I do have to say you guys didn't ask me what I would do with the Corona Hard Seltzer campaign. All right. All what right. would you back do? It up, back it up. Hey, what would you do with this campaign? Let her rip. I want to hear this. So I'm hoping that Corona hard seltzer hears this and reaches out to me and I can help them run this, but Corona, (laughs) I would have a, uh, Corona hard seltzer branded helicopter drop bags of lemons in spots all over the country. Is limonada lemon or is it lime or is it both? Um, I believe it's, I think it's more of like a sour mix. No, I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Drop bags of fruit that have a QR code on them. And when this, and people can rush to these spots, grab a, grab a piece of fruit and go home, take their, take their QR code. And with that QR code, they would get um, a promotional coupon or something like that to, to purchase the, the new seltzer. And then they'd also find a ticket to an exclusive party, um, you know, location TBD. And maybe we have like, you know, Pitbull or DJ Khaled, surprise perform, something like that. Have a little party hosted by, you know, the hard seltzer limonada. That's that's how I would do it. <laughs> All right, three wins. 
<laughs> yeah, it's I, this I is no place, contest. Though. I get second place. You though, definitely get second. Place. <laughs> that's on probably I, like a five million dollar budget. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right, I have a few more questions to ask, and then we can let you return to your day in peace. <laughs> <laughs> These are questions that we want to just sort of throw out there, big open-ended questions to everyone that comes on the show. Um, so the first one is what, when you were young, and you might have answered this already, what did you want to be when you grew up? Orthopedic surgeon. Orthopedic surgeon. There it is. Yeah. I Dead still would be. I, if you asked me if I could snap my fingers and do anything, I would still be, I would still choose orthopedic surgeon to this day. Oh, I love but, that. It's not too late. I I just, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> um, do you think like if you were having a full company meeting and you said everybody brings something for show and tell, what do you think you would bring? Oh man, I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go with this, something that my friends and I recently discovered. Uh, it's a little game called pigs. I do you have you guys heard of this? Maybe. Is it like the original or is it a new one? It's the original. It's, oh, it's the two little toy, they're like two little toy pigs. Yes. You roll like dice and you play a little game and you 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 know, depending on the way they land, you get a certain amount of points and you're supposed yes. to one to a hundred. <laughs> and I don't know if we just had like different childhoods, but my friends and I are discovering this for the very first time. <laughs> and we have been playing for hours on end, nonstop. Like we'll take them to bars. We took them to Red Rocks. We oh my gosh, genius. <laughs> Red Rocks, yes. <laughs> We've been playing it nonstop. And so I would literally bring my little pigs to show and tell. <laughs> I love that. That's best answer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> They're just so timeless and simple yes. and easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. The little pigs. Someone's <laughs> going to listen to this and be like, I want to update pigs. And like, yes. <laughs> augmented reality. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, and our last question. You've had a pretty remarkable journey in your career and personal life. Uh, if you were to look back on, let's say that you know fresh out of school or lacrosse playing d1 athlete from where you are now and just give a piece of advice is there anything that specifically you'd want to say i would tell myself that you are creative uh, i think one thing that i struggled with internally uh, my my whole adolescence was I always thought I was bad at art class and I don't know why. And it just like stuck with me. And that was my narrative. And so I tell myself, you are a creative person. You are creative because creativity is, you know, not just, um, it's not just drawing. It's not just sketching. It's not just painting. Uh, creativity is solving problems. It's communicating and, and the way you string together your words, the way you speak, the way you present yourself, uh, creativity is in the way that you express yourself and the way you express things for others. Uh, and so I would tell myself, you know, you are creativity, you, you embody creativity, you, 
have the capacity to push boundaries, you set new standards, and you'll find a home with a team when with people who appreciate your skill set and your background and your experience and and everything that you are in all of your glory. And uh, you'll revel in that. I love that. Yeah, I just feel like I was dusted with inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was a special little moment. Um, well, thank you for joining us today. We really thank appreciate you, so you coming on. Uh, I had a great time. I know Mac had a great time. Yes. <laughs> um, and hopefully you had a great time. <laughs> I had a blast. Thank you guys. I had a blast. <laughs> You're listening to a Brand Folder podcast, where we like to say, strong brands live here. Join us as we build the Brand Collective, a podcast for anyone curious about the people behind the brands that we all love. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. <laughs>